Thanks for checking out this Church in the City podcast. For more information, please visit www.churchinthecity.us. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for those kind words. And thank you, everybody, for coming out again tonight. Um, Double dose. Thank you. Appreciate it. Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And, uh, uh, yeah, and again, just the privilege of being here. And um, I pray last night wasn't too hard. (laughs) But there are truths that we need to learn. As Steve is right, as we grow up, we want to help our own biological kids and those that God has given us to become mature sons and daughters. You're preparing them for someone else. Amen. So uh, we do. So uh, amen. Good. Just a brief recap. We spoke about God calls us to salvation. He calls us to sonship. He calls us to service. And he calls us to sacrifice. There's a process in that. It's a call. It's a work of the Spirit. It's not my effort. It's not my doing. It's my response to his uh wound me and calling me into these various uh, um, walks with him. We all call to salvation, but we know not everybody gets saved. Uh, That's the reality of it. And once we get like established in that, God will call us to sonship. Doesn't mean he's finished revealing what he wants to about how great the salvation is. Uh, That's that's an ever revealing process, how great the salvation is. When Christ said, it is finished, it is finished. I don't think we fully grasp what that is. And it's continually been unfolded to us. You understand what I'm saying? But then he calls us into the sonship, into this relationship, into this father-family relationship. And when I say son, I'm talking daughter as well. Please understand me. Um, he calls us into this intimate place, this place of intimacy, this place where we're privileged to hear his voice, this place where we're privileged to sit at his table, this place where we're always welcome to sit at his table, always welcome. It's always open to come and feast of the goodness and the greatness of God. And that, that hope, just that understanding of this Father in heaven that is so good, uh, and he's for me, and he's not against me, and he's not trying to trip me up, and he's not trying to make me fail. In actual fact, he's picking me up off my feet every time that I do fall down. Because he's a good father. He's a great father. He's a, he's a powerful father. It's interesting in the Bible, in the Old Testament, he's revealed as creator predominantly. He's creating things and making things. But in the New Testament, he could have revealed himself as anything, but he reveals himself as father. Because the son comes, and when there's a son, there has to be a father. And uh, in the book of, of John, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, particularly in the book of John, Jesus mentions the word father, like he's talking to his heavenly father 125 times. Where he alone is talking to his father in heaven 125 times. You with me? And so there's this tremendous understanding of that I'm a child, I'm a son of the Most High God. And with the privilege of what that means and the establishment of that meaning, and he establishes us in it. And he'll begin to hold us accountable. He'll begin to put, like an athlete that's going to run a race. If you're going to enter into a, any race or any competition and you go into sport in a, in a in a more serious manner, not a casual manner like I do now, because my body can't do much, if you understand what I'm saying. But when you were young, you put limitations on your body. In other words, to train yourself, to equip yourself. So you put boundaries in. You, you ate certain foods. You didn't eat other foods. So you could prepare yourself for, you understand what I'm saying? Now think of that in the spirit, how God's, not because he, he was wanting to curb our freedom. We are free in him. But he wants to put some boundaries in our lives. Because he's preparing us for something coming down the line, for something more. You, you with me? And so it's critical to understand the sun. Absolutely vital. Because this is who we are in Christ. And I'm going to touch on that very briefly. But then he wants an outworking of that into the neighbor and the neighborhood and the worlds and the nations. But it's got to come from this place. So when we do this, it's not to earn, it's not to get favor, it's not to show how great I am, it's not to uh, get brownie points in the eyes of my father. It's, I'm loved already. I'm accepted already. No matter what, even if I don't do these things, I'm still loved and accepted. But as I pour myself out on behalf of others, there's something more that begins to take place in you and I. That's what he wants. It begins to reveal more of his glory, his glory, 
in and through us. You with me? We begin to touch a dying world because we are his body. As we begin to lay things down, things begin to be released and breakthroughs begin to happen. You understand what I'm saying? We have the privilege. For me, the greatest privilege, by my salvation and finding my wife and getting married, the greatest privilege is seeing the Spirit of God break into somebody's life and them coming free. And to know that God can use you and I to do that, that's an incredible privilege, people. Nothing on this earth can buy that. Nothing on this earth. You with me? There's a deep spirit satisfaction when you see that happen. And it's like you kick the evil one. Hallelujah. Amen. You're with me. And so he puts puts like boundaries or limitations on us for our own good. That's what it is. It's for our own good. Something I failed to mention last night. It's interesting. There's three times that the audible voice of God the Father spoke to the Son that was heard by people. They didn't hear what he said, but some said it thundered or whatever the case is. Obviously, he spoke to his son Jesus many times, but three times. The first time was at his baptism, and what is the first thing he says? This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Next time he says, this is my son. Now listen to his voice. And the third time he says, this is my son in whom I will reveal my glory. Isn't that interesting, eh? The process of that. And three times, voice came from heaven. The Father speaking. And Jesus said, it's not for my benefit. It's for your benefit. So there's understanding that comes. Amen. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. If I can put it this way. Salvation and sonship are who we are in Christ. And I know you've had a lot of teaching on that. Profound. And I They came and did some of that in our church, and we need more of that, of who I am in Christ. This is of who Christ is in you. So I'll put it this way. To be in Christ, there is redemption and salvation. But for Christ to be in you, that is what I call sanctification, being set apart for his life to be lived through you. And that's this part that we're going to work out now, service and sacrifice. To be in Christ, that makes me fit for heaven. But for Christ to be in you and me, that makes me fit for earth. Do you understand? I'll say it again. To be in Christ makes me fit for heaven because Christ is in me. You with me? But for Christ to be in me, that makes me and you fit for what he wants to do on this earth. To be in Christ, that changes your destination. You're going to eternity in heaven. But for Christ to be in you, that changes your destiny here on earth. The one makes heaven your home. The other makes the world his workshop. And that's key. Right, so I, Christ is in me, the hope of glory. Or I am in Christ, or Christ is in me, the hope of glory. You with me? But now Christ is going to live his life through him. And there's a scripture in Romans 5, and I put it just so I don't have to keep opening my Bible. Listen to the scripture, incredible scripture, Romans 5.10. You don't have to turn there. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. So we were enemies of God. But because of his son, we were reconciled back to him. You with me? All right. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Ongoing. In other words, when we were enemies of God and far away, because of the death and resurrection of Christ, we were made to be one with him. Now that I am, how much more, how much more, how much more, Well, that life, that resurrection life of Christ that is within me, work in me and through me to a dying world. How much more? How much more? That's what Paul is saying. How much more? (laughs) And if we grasp that truth, people, we say, God, here I am. Use me. You're with me. Not to earn. Not to get your love. Not for recognition. Not for anything. I have that already in you. I already have that.
but it's that your name may be glorified, that people may see the dimensions and the greatness and the love and the mercy and the power of who Jesus Christ is. Amen. That's what it's about. That's what, it's, that's what service and sacrifice, that's the heart of service and sacrifice. And if we can get that, it just helps us profusely. All right. So let's go to Romans chapter 1. We're going to talk about service. And, is that enough of a recap? All right. Romans. Th- thanks, Debbie. <laughs> if I get too intense, calm me down. All right. <laughs> wonderful. Romans chapter 1. Listen to this wonderful verse. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Notice the order. What's the first thing it says? Paul, a servant. First thing, servant. Of who? Okay, whoever you serve, because you serve Christ by serving others, we're going to cover that, that you're a servant of him. You're not a servant of people. Because when you serve people and help people, people won't give you the gratitude that you think you deserve. Some will, but some won't. Promise you. <laughs> and if you're expecting a thank you or you're expecting appreciation, you don't get it. You're going to be very hurt. And you've got to know you're not serving that person, although in practicality you are, but in heart and spirit you're serving Jesus Christ. You, you're with me. It's very key. All right. So you're a servant of Christ. You're called, and then he announces his function, what he's calling is, in other words, what his function, gifting, and anointing is, to be an apostle. So I could say it, uh, where's a worship leader, or God does worship. Who was Nate? Nate. All right. Nate, a servant, all right, of Jesus Christ, called to be a worship leader. The calling, what you need for that, God will give you the tools for that, the anointing the giftings, whatever you need in order to fulfill that function. But by doing that function, you're serving the purposes of God. You're serving Jesus Christ, but it'll touch people's lives. You you understand what I'm trying to say? All right, so as children of God, we're all called to serve, but it needs to flow out of my sonship relationship. To serve, let me explain, to serve in whatever way can be done with no connection to the person. You can serve somebody, or I can serve this man, because Steve's come to me and said, listen, why don't you go help this man and serve him? So I can serve this man, but there can be no connection yet, but I can still serve. If we serve that way, we're doing it in human power. It'll hurt. You with me? But when the Lord, the Father, comes and says, lay your life down for this person, My source is the Lord. I have a connection. I have a relationship. And out of that relationship, I'm serving this person. All right. Jesus said, come follow me and I will help me. Keep in your way. What did he say? Come follow me and? You all know the scripture. Come follow me and? I will make you what? Fishers of men. Come follow who? Who are we supposed to follow? Jesus, come follow me, come follow me, come follow me, come follow me. Nobody else, nobody else, come follow me. And when you follow me, I will make you, I will work in you, I will change you, I'll transform you, I'll empower you, I'll get the junk out of you, I'll heal you, I'll deal with your insecurities. I will make you. To do what? A fisher of men, to serve others. That's the process. And it's an ongoing process that... If it's just about making me, making me, making me, making me, eventually I'll become a navel gazer. And, whoa, whoa, it's just about me and me and me and me. You with me? But if it's just about a fisherman, 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 I'll burn myself out. It's got to be both. So he works in me. He makes me. I spend time with him. He's making me. He's talking to me. shaping me. I'm surrendering. Sometimes tough. Sometimes not easy. But God... I love you. You are for you. Shape me. Make me. Continue to do that. It's an ongoing process, people. From the day you die on this earth, that process won't change. You, but it's a loving process. It comes out of love. It comes out of love. It comes out of love. 
to be a fisher of men, to lay my life down for others. And this, is, this process has got to happen continually. This making is the salvation and the sonship to a fisher of men. Amen. Expressed in various giftings and whatever the case is. The source or motivation for my serving must flow out of or as a result of my sonship or my relationship with my father. It has to, folk. It has to. So it is not about you or what you, or who you're going to serve or about recognition or about acknowledgement or even about reward. It's got nothing to do with it. It's about I'm serving Almighty God by doing this. Please don't do it for recognition. As hard as that, this flesh screams, trust me. When you come in early and you put all the chairs out and nobody's here and you've got to sweep up after somebody's mess and maybe some kid got sick and they puked all over the show and there you are cleaning it up and whatever and I've just been real, are you with me? And you're thinking, why do I have to do this? And then the first person comes in and they don't say a word. Gee, this looks nice and clean. And just say, gee, I had a tough day today. You know what, Dan? You think, don't even notice all the hours I spent here doing all this. And the next person comes in the next. And nobody says, look how nice the place is. <laughs> Are you, am I the only one that struggles with that from time to time? <laughs> Thank you. Hallelujah. <laughs> all right, so you with me. Hallelujah. Or they say, but, they, yeah, okay. <laughs> or they say, but, that's what you get paid for. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's what you get paid for. And it's like little, what I call little pop quizzes in my heart. God just sees how Marie's standing and saying, I wonder how kids are going to respond to this today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I don't say anything, but inside I'm saying, Jeez, nobody's grateful in this place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, amen. <laughs> so we do it not for anything else. Ministry or service motivated by personal ambition or by recognition runs on human power and energy, not on divine anointing. Not on divine. Because you spend yourself when you serve others. You give. You get spent. You actually get spent. You need time to refresh. You need time away. I know I do. I get, can I be honest? I get people out sometimes. My wife never gets people out. She gets energized by people. I don't know how she does it. I have no idea how she does it. But she does. I need to draw aside. She doesn't, but that's the way we're wired. All right. So let's go to John chapter 12 quickly on service. I mean, there's different servicing. I'm trying to give you the heart of this rather than I'll get into some practicals. Folk, how do I say this? I'll say this lovingly as I can. If we do not serve... We will not grow. It's as simple as that. If you're a son in the house, you will serve. If you're a true son in the house, in God's house as well as this local house, you will serve. You will serve because that's what will motivate you and pull you. For the sake of him and for the sake of this local family. You with me? We have to serve. Even if it's a little bit, we are called to serve. Like we, I don't know how else to put it. We are called. But it's got to be out of this. I've got to keep going back to that. We are called to serve. We're called to lay our lives down. We're called that serve is, the, the real root word is to be a deacon, a servant. Christ said, I came to serve, not to be served. I came to serve. We're going to read the passage now. John, let's go to John chapter, what did I say, 12. John chapter 12. Listen to the scripture. 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me... Now look, he's talking about this truth. Now he's giving some practical application. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So he's saying simply that as you serve, you're giving your life away. 
It's like a seed dying in the ground. You're planting seeds for the future. And you might not even see the fruit of it yet, but it's coming down the line. It's coming down the line. It's coming down the line. Even if you put out chairs for five years and nobody says thank you, trust me, that seed that you're planting is coming. The fruit of that is coming down the line in serving. And I want to thank everybody for what they did here, by the way, anyway, for the food and the cakes and the, sorry, the, whatever, the fruits. And thank you, thank you. For the musicians, thank you. You come early, you prepare, you practice behind the scenes. Thank you, it's appreciated. Some of you do it unnoticed. Thank you. Because it is good, the Bible says, to have a heart of gratitude. So it's good to acknowledge and and have gratitude for what people do and thank them. The Bible says that, honor one another. But don't seek the honor for yourself, let others honor you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's good to thank people. It's good to honor people when honor is due. It really is. To make people that appreciate it. Appreciate it for what you did. I appreciate that. Thank you. Amen. Your wives, husbands, thank your wife for the food that puts put on the table. <laughs> we sometimes just expect it. No, thank you. Thanks, Shell. Thank you. I call it Shell. Thank you. Thank you. You with me? When you come with that heart, you walk with a heart of gratitude. And a heart of gratitude, trust me, opens doors. It opens doors. It really does. That was just down there. Okay. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And please, I'm not saying any of you don't serve in this church. You're all yes, sitting on a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night. The very fact that you yes, there's a huge amount. So I appreciate it. It does. I'm not saying nobody serves. But it's to help others as well understand this truth and whatever. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, I love being here. So it's great. Matthew 20, verse 24, says this. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. They had an argument uh, because the two brothers, James and John, wanted to sit at the right hand and the left hand side of Jesus when he went into eternity. And the other ten heard about it. Sounds like a nice leadership team. And they were indignant and with some jealousy and competition. Sounds like uh, my eldership denied playing. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. That was just a joke. It doesn't. And they were indignant. And how can he want a place of honor? Mention these are the people Jesus was raising up, right? Eh? Okay, but he loved them because he saw past that. He saw their destiny and future. He saw past those issues. God sees past some of our insecurities and issues, people. He really does. When he called Steve and Debbie to come to Chicago, he didn't say, oops, I made a mistake. Oh, my, look at the issues I've got to deal with in Debbie's life. How are we ever going to get this right? <laughs> Sorry, Debs. Yeah, all right. No, I did. That's true. Yeah, I said Steve, and I couldn't remember her name. <laughs> I got to confess, I did. All right. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, in other words, the unbelievers, lorded over them, and the high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. The way up is down. The way up in the kingdom is down. <laughs> is it an oxymoron? Is that the right thing? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Descending. Somebody wrote a book called Descending into Greatness. Great title. Descending. Jesus descended into greatness. He gave his life. He lowered it. Even to be killed, to be buried, to dead under the ground. Descended into greatness. Amen. 
So that's serving. Now, just a couple of prayers. Serve in love. Galatians 5.13, the Bible says serve in love. The Bible, Ephesians 6, 7 says, serve wholeheartedly. Whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly. The Bible, 1 Peter 4, 10 says, whatever gift you have, administered to others. Graciously, the grace, they're spending the grace of God unto others. 1 Peter 4, 10. So to others. The Bible in Luke 12, 37 says, be rested, dressed and ready to serve. Be dressed and ready to serve. The Bible says in Matthew 25, be faithful, well done, Faithful and good servant. Amazing. Be faithful in your servant. Heartedness and your servant. Whatever it is. And sometimes you'll be asked to do something that you think, that's not my calling. Doesn't matter. Serve. I'm not graced to do that. Doesn't matter. <laughs> do it. <laughs> it's just too hard, people. I'm just being, it's reality. But it'll be for a season. It's not forever. It's not forever, trust me. It's not forever. But it's, a, it's such a good training school. Such a good training school. It really is. It really is. Let's go to Galatians chapter 6. Yeah, amazing. I can say things yet I can't say to my own church sometimes. <laughs> That's why when Steve comes down, I say, Steve, say whatever you like. No, don't, don't. All right, listen to this wonderful scripture, Galatians 6. See the heart of this, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature he reaps destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit, from that Spirit will read eternal life. So how do I sow to the Spirit? I always ask, how do I sow to the Spirit? Well, Paul gives us a hint here. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those that belong to the family of believers. Serve them. Serve one another. That's how we sow to the Spirit. We think it's, ooh. <laughs> no. That's getting on my hands and polishing the floor sometime or cleaning or whatever. That, I'm saying to the Spirit, incredible. Amen. So we're called to salvation, great salvation. Called to sonship. I really like that. And we're called to serve. We're called to lay our lives down. We're called to that attitude, that heart. The expression of it will be different for every single person. It will be different for every person. Really, it will be. Some are called to serve here. Some are called to serve there. Not one is greater than the other. We've got to understand. Because we're serving unto who? Servant of Jesus Christ. You with me? All right. So that's the service part. Now, the sacrifice part. That's even, some people say, the hardest part. Sacrifice can be a negative word, but it's not. It's not a negative word. It's a great word. Because the greatest love expression was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The greatest love expression. Jesus sacrificed his life for you and I out of love. Out of love. So sacrifice had negative connotations to it, but it's not negative. And you'll see it's incredibly beneficial. Incredibly beneficial. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4. You all still with me, folk? Thank you for keeping awake. Thank you, Debbie. I told you I'm going to. 2 Corinthians. I like to take spiritual truths and spiritual um, concepts. I love doing this and earth them so we can understand the dimension of what's happening in the unseen realm, which is very real. But how do I walk that out here on earth? But I know it has a spiritual dimension to it and it's having incredible impact in the spirit realm because that's what we're called to do ultimately, to display splendor to the principalities, powers, rulers, and authorities. You with me? All right. So 
2 Corinthians chapter 3, I don't have time to read it. It's all about how we have this ministry from Christ and a new covenant. It's the ministry of the Spirit. If you read verse 6, he made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Then he goes on to explain how there's a difference between the old and the new. And the old came with glory, how much more will the glory of God come with? And Paul goes on to explain that. So he's talking about this dispensation that we're in the new and the glory of God that will come. And we have this ministry of the Spirit. Okay. And in verse 7 he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we with unveiled faces all reflect to contemplate the Lord's glory of being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Forget the chapter and verse. Therefore, since we have God's mercy, we have this ministry. What is this ministry? The ministry of the Spirit. Do not lose heart. Though, and then he goes on to explain a little bit more about it. And he says in verse 7, chapter 4, But we have this treasure, this ministry, this treasure. The Spirit of God is in clays of jaw. This is a clay of jaw. Jaw of clay, sorry. Jaw of clay, sorry. That's my dyslexia kicking in. Okay. <laughs> we have it within us. Christ is where? In you, the hope of glory. You're in Christ, but Christ is in you. He's in you. He's in your spirit. You're with me. And he's saying you have this ministry, the ministry of the Spirit, that far outweighs anything that came from the Old Testament. And when it came in the Old Testament, it came with such incredible glory, the mountain shook. And he's saying the spirit of the new covenant, it way goes past that. Way past that. That's what he's saying here, in essence, amongst other things. And as we keep our eyes upon him, and as we gaze upon him, and as we contemplate him, we are changed from ever increasing glory, from one degree of glory to the next. Amen. So focus is key. But he's saying it's all inside. It's inside this mortal body. That's what he's saying here. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Then what is he going to say? We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So why? That the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always, always, always being given over to death. So it's like you're dying. You're, you're not you're physically dying, but you're dying to your own ambitions. You're dying to your own wants. You're dying to your likes. You're dying to everything that you desired before. You're dying. You're laying it down. You're laying it down. Little by little as Christ. You're laying it down. You, so you're like you're dying inside. It's like you get broken inside. Not broken because you're broken by the Lord. You get a contrite spirit, a broken spirit. And the Lord says, I love a man with a contrite spirit. You with me? And it's not easy, folk, to lay it down. You so desire something, the Lord says, lay it down. Lay it down. It's not necessarily sinful. Just lay it down. That's what Paul is saying here. That's the truth of what he's trying to say. And he goes on to say, so you're given over to death for the sake, for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in. Let me put it. So death is at work in me. I'm just using me because I'm preaching. But life is at work in the person that I'm ministering to. As I surrender, as I sacrifice, as I lay down, life comes out and touches somebody else. That's the essence of sacrifice. We all want to see the glory of God and the power of God. Who doesn't? We all want the building to shake. We all want the dead to be raised. Well, I do. I don't know about you. I want to be part and parcel of that. Not because, because it glorifies the name of Jesus. That's what it does. It's the calling card of Jesus Christ. Signs and wonders are the calling card of Jesus Christ. Jesus has been in town. Amen. Yeah, it's not for signs and wonders, it's for his namesake. And so, it is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, and with the same spirit of faith we also believe and therefore speak. Say, so saying, I'm surrendered, I'm laying it down, I'm being like perplexed, and it feels like I'm being crushed inside. But I have faith, 
And with that faith, I speak. I speak it out. That's what faith is. I sp- Jesus is Lord. Jesus will do this. Jesus is life. Meanwhile, there's something happening inside me. But it's with the spirit of faith that I speak. That's what it says here. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus and present us in his presence. Then he goes on to, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we've been renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix your eyes. The actual translation should be, Wow, our eyes are fixed. Not on the unseen, not on the scene, but the unseen. That's the essence of sacrifice right there. Paul prayed, Lord, Rome, I need to go to Rome. Lord, I want to go to Rome. Read it, Acts, I want to go. Do you know how Paul got to Rome? He didn't go first class. He didn't go first class and get served on the Boeing and bed laid out. He got shipwrecked, he got beaten, he got bitten by a snake, he was left for dead. That's how he got to Rome. Was it the Lord's will for him to go to Rome? Without a doubt. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes it messes with our Western theology brain. Amen. That's the heart of sacrifice, people. And it's because of love that we lay it down. We're all called to lay something down. You will be called to lay something down. You'll be called to let something go. And some of us will be called to continually lay little things down there and little things down there and little things down there. Not because God's making it hard for us. It's because of what it has in store for us. So we're called to lay down. And I don't know what that is. For this man is different to me. For him it's different to me. It's just different. I can't tell you what you need to lay down. Only God can tell you. Don't let any other man tell you what to lay down. Nobody. No leader. Nobody. Let Jesus tell you what to lay down. You with me? Because you're not doing it for the leader. You're doing it for Jesus Christ. Are you with me? He'll call you to lay things down, people. I know in my own life, and this is not because of me, just some of the stuff we had to lay down. And some of it wasn't easy. When I got saved, I was in the, the life insurance investment business. Doing extremely well, I'll be honest. Doing extremely well at that time. That was in 1985, 86. Working in South Africa as a broker earning great commission, doing very well. I got saved, radically saved by the grace of God. And it wasn't me. It was God, the love. I fell in love with Jesus Christ. And somebody heard about it and opened a door for us to go into full-time youth ministry with no Bible training, having never read the Bible. He took a huge chance. I'd never read the Bible in my life, people. I had to go buy a Bible when I got saved. I didn't even know what to buy. I had to ask somebody. What does it look like? I've got Holy Bible. All right, thank you. You with me? God can use anybody. Trust me. And I went from earning what I was earning. Nine months later, I was earning a quarter of what I used to pay in tax. That was a radical economic shift for us. Radical. We didn't even notice it. I'm just being brutally honest. I didn't even consider it because I so love Jesus. The year in my life, or my, my eyes, is my wife. That's the era. Because God called me, and she laid her life down to come with me. Where she had it nice and easy because of the money that was coming in to somebody that had to do everything now. She's my era. Amen. And I know God called us together. I understand that. But she went as a result of the door opening for me to go. She laid her life down right there. And ladies, I want to encourage you and I want to honor you and I want to thank you when you've laid your life down for the call that you've seen on your husband. You're a year in the faith. You are. You're a year in the faith. And I know God will use you. And I know you're a team. I understand all that. I understand that. 
and that God will equip you. But when you said, I'll let this go as a result of what I see God doing in my husband's life. You're a hero. <laughs> you should be in Hebrews 11 chapter. <laughs> really, she's a, she paid a price. She paid a huge price. And we went into a full-time youth ministry where at times we had no food. We didn't know what we were going to eat. We had no food. That's just being honest. But what did God teach us? Faith. Taught us faith. But we never went without. We always had food, but there were days we had nothing. I'll be honest, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> we wanted to go on vacation. We had nothing to go on vacation. But in those five years we were in Cape Town, we had some of the best vacations ever because God just, I don't know how he did it, but we went to five-star hotels. We got fully paid for. I don't even know how it transpired, but it did. My kids heard we needed a vacation. They went and took all their toys, Clayton and Chantel, five and six. They went onto the sidewalk and they put a table out there. We were still sleeping. It was early in the morning. They planned it. They got up and they took little envelopes and they were putting big cokey, 20 cents on the whole envelope. <laughs> they wanted to sell it because they wanted to get money for the vacation. But they never, they didn't even moan about the sacrifice. It's tough when your kids go to school and all the other kids have got everything and your kids haven't got it. <sighs> you with me? But that's the price that we had to pay. That's what we had to lay down. And then we had one car, and the Lord said, give that away. Michelle came to you and said, we've got to give our car away to so-and-so. And I said, are you sure? And she said, yes. I said, all right, let's do it. Didn't even question it. I trusted her. So we gave it away. And we had to walk everywhere for a while. But then somebody bought us a car. It's amazing how it happens. And we didn't have faith by hence, you know. We're without a car. We just prayed by ourselves. You understand what I'm saying? God taught us a lot in this. Then come in here like this couple. I'm just honoring them, laying their life down to come to this nation. Laying, bringing a family, bringing these two girls. Your son was born here, huh? Yeah. Right across an ocean, not knowing what they're coming to. Just by faith, laying their lives down. Absolutely. Incredible people. Incredible. Because, but that's what God called them to do. It's a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice. Michelle and I claimed on the plane to come to America. Our kids were still at home. They said goodbye to us. And we just wept and wept and wept. Why did we come? Michelle's mom was dying. And we knew she would die within six months. But we had to obey God. We climbed on the plane, and I remember we sat right at the back of both this South African Airways, and there were not many people on the plane coming over. And I had the three seats, and she had three seats. And I was crying, and she was crying, and the wait, the, the air hostess walked past, and we, she thought we had a big fight. Because I'm sitting there, and she's sitting there. And I could see she, then she walked past us, and whispering to other, but they left us alone. They thought we had a huge fight. But we were just weeping from the loss of leaving our kids. Michelle said she had decided on the plane that when the plane landed at JFK, because that's where we were landing, she was turning back. She said to me, I don't care what you do, Ken, I'm turning back, I'm going back. But she said God had 18 hours on that plane to work on her, to lay it down, to come here. We're not heroes. I'm just saying God calls us to lay things down by his grace. That's the hardest sacrifice. And for each one is different. And it's a privilege to lay something down for the King of Kings. It's a privilege to let go something for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What a privilege. What a privilege. Amen. I hope this is not too hard, but it's just biblical truth. And I can, for each one of you, it's different. But what I want to do now is give you a lifestyle of sacrifice. What does that look like? you with me. So you prepare yourself so when God says, let her go, you can let her go. You can, whatever it may be. I don't know what it may be. Clayton just recently felt God tell him he's just got to give his no more TV. Thank goodness it's not for me. I'm still enjoying football. Hallelujah. Okay. But I went through that. And last night I spoke about secular music. Well, now listen to it. I love Pink Floyd, whatever. So, 
you're with me. But there was a season where I let it go. So God can come and say, can lay it down again. I can do it now. It's not got a hold on me anymore. You with me? Amen. All right. So let's, what, how do we develop a lifestyle? Whew, I've got to finish. I've got 15 minutes to finish this. All right. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll go through this very quickly. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is just some practical lifestyle, what I call priestly sacrifices. The Bible says it pleases him. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2. Where is 1 Peter in my Bible? Can you believe it? I know it's in the New Testament. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 says, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones have been built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual, what's the next word? Sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So the Bible tells us there are spiritual sacrifices we can offer as New Testament priests. If I had time, I'd show you in the Old Testament, those sacrifices that God called them to, the way he called them to do, when they offered it, the Bible said it was an aroma. It was like a fragrance that went up to the Lord, and it was a pleasing aroma. When Noah came out of the ark, he offered a sacrifice. The Bible said it was an aroma. It's like the smoke went up, in a sense, to the Lord, and it was a fragrant offering, a spiritual sacrifice unto the Lord. The Levites, who were priests, they had to do these sacrifices in a certain way, and it was an aroma that went up to the Lord. Now, we are New Testament priests, and we got priestly sacrifices to offer. And before we can get into our kingly anointing or the releasing the power and breakthrough of God, God calls us to offer a priestly sacrifice as our sons, as a lifestyle. You with me? I'm going through it quickly. What are those priestly sacrifices? What are the New Testament priestly sacrifices? Because the Bible tells us I'm a New Testament priest. Each one, he's the high priest. I can't atone for my sin. That's been done for. But as I live on this earth, what are the priestly New Testament sacrifices that it's an aroma that's pleasing unto him? It pleases my Father in heaven. How many would you like to please God? You can. Hallelujah. All right. All right. So what are they? As you and I are willing to, let me just say this. As you and I are willing to sacrifice biblically, through obedience, by the Holy Spirit, time and comfort, etc., etc., things will begin to happen. But anyway, let me get on to my other notes. All right, so it's at the back. I've just got to pull them out from somewhere else. All right, so this New Testament sacrifices, very simply. One of the things we notice from the Old Testament is that sacrifices done God's way prepare the way for the glory of the Lord to come. In other words, the kingly anointing or the manifest pound glory of God is revealed after priestly sacrifices. Derek Prince said this, we can't exercise a kingly anointing authority before we have offered up our priestly sacrifices. Amen. All right, so what are the priestly priestly sacrifices. Number one, just let me say this. David understood this principle and took it a little further. And if you read the Psalms, he says, sacrifice and offerings you do not delight, but here I am. I offer my body as a sacrifice. He took it a little further. He understood something of what was coming down the line. My ears you have pierced, obedience you desire. You, you're with me. I'm going through this quickly. All right, number one. What is the first thing? Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Now, therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is pleasing and acceptable to God. It's a living sacrifice. The Old Testament was dead. We are a living sacrifice. Glory of God is housed within Christ in me. And so as I offer up myself, I'm a living sacrifice. It's a daily offering of worship unto the Lord. Not just through worship, but a daily of worship. I worship, I acknowledge you, I need you, I surrender to you. You're my king. That's a daily sacrifice. You with me? As we offer up our lives and we, we, we reject the pattern of the world, we become a living sacrifice. As we walk in forgiveness instead of bitterness, we become a loving sacrifice. As we love one another and don't speak evil of one another, we offer up a loving sacrifice. 
As we honor others above ourselves, we honor up a living sacrifice. You with me? We're a living sacrifice. This pleases the Father in heaven. It really does. Number two. Sorry, just the first one. As we resist, resist, resist temptation, we're offering up a living sacrifice. Number two, Romans 15, 14 to 20. I haven't got time to read it. It says, as we proclaim... Oh, actually, sorry, let me read it, if you don't mind. <laughs> I was going to paraphrase it, and then I'll make a mess. Trust me. Romans 15... All right, let me just quickly find it. Romans 15. All right, let's go to Romans 15. Verse 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. I've written you quite boldly on some points as to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So as soon as I proclaim the gospel to others, as soon as I bring the Gentiles or the unbelievers in prayer before him, I'm offering up a priestly sacrifice. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. It's to do with others. You with me? Sorry, I'm going through this quickly. Number three, Ephesians, go to Philippians 4. You can go and study them all and look at them. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. So I should have had all these scriptures written out. I'm not like Steve, who's more organized than I am. <laughs> all right, Philippians 4. Let's read from verse... 14, yet it was good of you to share in my trouble. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when there's a need. In other words, material help, finance. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be a credit to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a, help me with the next words, fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. That's to do with money. Apostolic giving. That's what that's to do. Then my God will meet all your needs in Christ Jesus. So when we give to the nations of the earth for the gospel to go to the nations, the Bible says that's a priestly sacrifice, acceptable. It's an aroma that comes up to the Lord. It's pleasing unto And it's a sacrifice to give money, Allah, that you're going to not see any return from. You might not ever see any return to you. Because it's given to another nation for another nation. Or another city. Or another neighborhood. Amen. All right. I hope this is helpful. I'm trying to be practical. Number, give generously. Give open-handedly. I could talk about a lot of it. Give in response to what God says. Number four. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. I know it's hot folk and Hebrews chapter 13. Let's see what Hebrews chapter 13 says. Verse 15 says there, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of our lips confess his name. So praise is a sacrifice. When I come together and the last thing I feel like doing is praising God and thank him. And I Take this body and I say, raise your hands. <laughs> you with me? Get up, body. We're going to the meeting. And the body says, no, I want to sleep. No, body, get up. Get up, body. Get up. <laughs> Are you, am I the only one that has this fight occasionally with this body? <laughs> okay. hey? With this body. Yes, <laughs> with this body. Get up. No, we're going to the meeting. We're going to offer... A sacrifice of praise unto the Lord. 
I don't feel like it. I'm tired. I'm irritated. I've uh, just had a fight with my wife. Um, nobody loves me, but I'm going to go praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's a sacrifice. Amen. It's an aroma that goes up. But you say, but that's like your heart's not there. Your heart will get there. Trust me. First the natural, then the spiritual. How many of you feel like coming to church every Sunday? Be brutally honest. Come on. Ah, I see we're all telling the truth now. Hey? Okay. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> but how many know when you leave, you leave in a better place? Hallelujah. That's a sacrifice of praise. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right, I'm looking for my water, but I can't find it. doesn't matter. All right. Where? Oh, no. Okay. Sorry, it's not open. And my one hand shakes, and it's not because of the anointing. Thank you very much. Let me just share, I want to honor this man, because I know a little of his testimony. He started, I'm sure he's told you many times, for him to step out, that's dying to self. That's dying to self. How many of you feel inadequate at times? How many of you feel inadequate all the time? But as you're willing to lay sacrifice, God, unto you. Bless you. You're with me. Praise. Praise. And if you carry on, it says, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. That's the next one, doing good to others and helping others. It's a sacrifice. It's a priestly sacrifice. With such sacrifices, it's good. How many of you always feel like helping other people? No. Good. It's a sacrifice. Good. And one more. Let's go to Revelation chapter 8. I've just prayed. It's many scriptures, but I've just chosen this one concerning this one. Verse 8, it says, When you opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. And then I saw the angel who stood before God. And the angel who had the golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar before the Lord. And we know what happened. Prayer is an incredible sacrifice unto the Lord. So it's simple. Offer your body a lifestyle. Your money, when you give it, when the Lord calls you to give apostolically. When you come and praise, a sacrifice of praise. When you proclaim his name to the unbeliever, to the lost, even though you might get rejected, and you're praying for others, and you're praying for the unbeliever, and you're helping others, these are all priestly sacrifices unto the Lord. They prepare your heart for what's coming down the line. It's a lifestyle of sacrifice. Because the flesh, trust me, does not want to do that. The flesh does not want to pray. The flesh does not want to give. It's selfish. The flesh does not want to praise. The flesh does not want to help others. Doesn't. <laughs> it's just about me, 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 me. What they? All right. That's how we live a lifestyle of sacrifice. And what that does, folk, I can assure you, it begins to open up the vaults of heaven. It begins to open up what God wants to do. So I'll finish off with this. As your love for the king there's released breakthrough in the areas as I willingly come and offer these priestly sacrifices. Lives of the broken and the lost, families and cities and nations begin to open up. Your call to salvation, your call to sonship, and the Lord would say, my son, whom I love, will you allow me to serve through you? My son, whom I love, will you lay your life down for me and sacrifice some of your time? which is pleasing to me that I might break through into cities and other people's lives. My son, I love you, but would you allow me to work in you and through you? Would you allow me to inconvenience you this time so you can touch that life? Would you allow me to bless that person by what you give to them and it's the only thing you have? Would you allow me to wake you up a little earlier than normal for the next couple of weeks so you and I can spend time together? My son, I love you. You're mine. I've chosen you. I've redeemed you. 
but would you allow me to offer some of your money to that city so the gospel can go there? My son, my daughter, would you allow me to love that person through you that actually you don't really like, but I do? You with me? And then when you get there, and it's the last thing you feel like doing, then the Lord gives you a word of knowledge for them. And you pray for them, and you support God to touch them, and you say, hallelujah, that was great. That's the way it works. It opens up. Sacrifice opens up. It releases the gates of heaven. That's what it does. We're called to salvation. We're called to sonship. We're called to service, and we're called to sacrifice. And it's a call. It's a call of the Spirit of God. He urges you in your heart to lay things down. doesn't force you. Encourage you to lay them down, to let them go. I enjoy watching football on Sundays. But sometimes we've got meetings. And I lead the church, so I have to be there. Much to my dismay sometimes. You with me? I think sometimes I'm too real for people. <laughs> all right. But it's good. I laid my life down for him. It's all about him. It's all about his purpose. It's all about his name. It's all about his glory. That's what it's about.